you know, we get asked all the time, who are your listeners? Who subscribes to your podcast? You know, how many do you have? So I thought you may be curious. We, at our peak month, which was uh, June of 2018, just last month as I'm recording this, we got 242,000 listens. So the podcast has been growing, doing really well. We're close to uh, approximately 600 podcasts that have been done. Not all by me, thank God, but many of them have been. I wanted to know something. Um, who are you, listeners? We, uh, from the data that we've seen, there's a lot of early adopters, uh, people that are you know anywhere from like 30 to uh, 55 that are interested in tech and all the new stuff that's coming out. But that may not be accurate. So I wanted to ask you, if you wouldn't mind, can you send an email to support at Future Tech Podcast? And let us know a little bit about yourself. You don't have to tell us your name or any of that stuff, but if you just let us know, why do you listen to the podcast? What do you get out of it? What some of your favorite episodes have been? And what do you want to see more of and hear more of in the podcast? And I'd love to accommodate you. And I'd love your feedback. So again, please send an email to support at futuretechpodcast.com. And thanks for listening. Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner. From Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is Sahil Sani, a co-founder at a company called Allio, A-L-L-Y-O. And uh, it appears they've developed an end-to-end AI recruiting system or a recruiter. So, uh, Sahil, how are you doing? I'm doing very good, Rich. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, so tell me about uh, Allio. What, where did the concept come from and uh, you know a little bit about the history of it? Absolutely. So, Allio, as you mentioned, it's an end-to-end artificially intelligent recruiter. And this recruiter is what enterprises hire, or in the world of SaaS, what we call the license, to basically increase their applicant capture or automate screening and scheduling. And it loops in the human team only when needed, so not, not for routine mundane tasks, only when needed. And end of the day, these enterprises who have worked with Alio achieve a combination of two things. Number one, they make the lives of their recruiters or the hiring managers much, much better. Mm. And second, they increase the quality of hire significantly. So what's the typical recruiting process and how is it different or is it the same, just more automated and you know, compare the two, auto, your version versus the normal way? Very different. So let's take an example. Right, I'm somebody who's one of the 10 million people who want to be a barista at a Starbucks or equivalent. Uh. And today the way for me to do that is to go on to Starbucks I, find, I go into their careers portal. I have to find the job that I like. And then I go through a 15-page form filling up all the information, which will take me 45 minutes, has to be on a PC. And then if I'm successful in doing that, then I press submit, after which there's a 15%, 1-5, chance that I'll hear back. That's the process today. It's very, uh, very degrading. It's a time suck. I mean, it, it would discourage someone from applying for multiple jobs. And I, I've been through this many years ago. I mean, it's terrible. It's, again, it's degrading. It sucks away your life. And, you know, I mean, I guess the theory could be, oh, well, only the people that really want to work there will do that. But I, I just think it's 
don't know, it's terrible how it is. But anyway, go ahead. Actually, actually, we've proven the opposite. So I think we, we always come across organizations who believe that, hey, if you want to work with us, you have to go through that process. Mm-hmm. The truth is, if you or I are a high performer at our current job, and I want to work at Starbucks, there's no way I'm going through that. Right. So what ends up happening is that the vast majority of people who go through that sluggish process are those who are desperate for a job, those who actually you may not want to hire, and those, mm. if you hire, they churn within three or six months. Mm. And so it's, it's the opposite. Now, on the contrary, what we've done is we've built this end-to-end AI recruiter called Alio, and you walk into a Starbucks, you order your caramel macchiato, not, not the recommended drink, but say you order it. <laughs> and at that point, right, you, you say, man, this is a cool place to work. How can I become a barista? And the, and the guy behind the counter says, you know, it'll take me four minutes to make your coffee. Meanwhile, why don't you text our recruiter, Alio, and give the number to text? Huh. And the moment you've texted, you've started this conversation right there on your cell phone. You're going back and forth trying to say, hey, I'm looking for a job. Uh, which is a barista or shift leader in the Berryessa store in San Jose. And Alio comes back and says, you know, here's what I have available. Can any of these work for you? Or are you looking for part-time or full-time or something? Are you looking for certain shifts? Sure. Helps you identify a job that works for you. you. You confirm that you like that job. And at that moment, Alio starts interviewing you, starts asking you, hey, this job requires you to be above 18 years or it requires you to have work authorization, certain certifications, whatever. And you're going back and forth in this conversation, right? None of us have unread text messages. You always respond. You may respond at your convenience, but you respond. And you're going back and forth. You reach a point where you qualify for the job. And Alio says, fantastic, love the conversation we've had. Why don't you come in and make meet Jacob, our store manager, tomorrow afternoon? Can we do that? And you confirm, and then a calendar invite goes out, an introduction email goes out, the candidate gets a voicemail and a text and an email on how to do well at the interview, reminders, all that, and then follows up after the interview all the way through that post-hire check-ins and all that. But what an amazing experience compared to the former experience where you just don't even trust it to get started. Yeah, that's awesome. Man. You know, I, I've experienced exactly what you said. You know, you feel like, What's the point of filling this garbage out? Because you'll never get a response. You know, like you said, 15% of the time you do. And I, I feel like it's kind of funny, like hiring has become very dehumanized and dehumanizing. And this brings it, it's, it's ironic that AI does it, but the AI seems to make it a lot more human and interactive and a much better process like it was, you know, 30 years ago versus now. I mean, if you, if you look, um, I'll give you my understanding of why that's true. If you go and ask an average CEO what matters most, a good 40-45% will say talent matters most. If you ask them to rank order their functions, HR is number eight. Right? Talent is number one, HR is number eight. Huh. They look to HR, unfortunately, just for operational efficiency. Fill my recs, fill my jobs. They don't look to them for strategic value. It's sad. It's sad because they can really influence filling in the capability gaps or whatnot. In that light, HR doesn't have the budget. If they don't have the budget, they cannot put humans behind the process. If you can't put humans behind the process, then you're basically going with crappy software. So it's it's so optimal for disrupting with cool technology where the ideal form is humans. Nothing beats humans. 
But humans are expensive. They're not available 24-7. But the current systems are broken with software which automate but are not engaging and not trusted. Mm. So now AI comes in somewhere in between there and takes the same kind of software but builds in responsiveness, builds in customizability, a little bit more human-like experience, which drives engagement. So, yeah, I'm really interested about how the AI screens better than someone... Like, like let's, let's continue with the example. So let's say I go on Starbucks and I fill in this miserable application. What happens to it typically under the current system versus yours? It's, it gets even worse. Uh, what <laughs> happens is you basically show up in a portal at, the, at that Starbucks location, Sahil, who's applied for a barista position in San Francisco, right? I'm on the portal. Mm. Now, on that day, when the store manager is desperate, I need to hire. Only when, because the goal of the store manager is not to hire. It's to make two million bucks in the year. That's what they, their goal is. That's their job. Right now, mm. on that day when I'm desperate, I go into that portal. There are probably 30 people who have applied since the last time I went. I try and pick up the phone and leave voicemails to the top 10. Mm. I, I get in touch with the 11th one, get that person to come into the store, and I hire them. I just need the body. I hire them hmm. because I'm not, my interview to hire ratio is like 1.3. 1.3 people who walk in, they only need to have a reflection in the mirror and they get hired. <laughs> they, I'm not kidding. That is how it works. They need to have a reflection in the mirror and they get hired. And well, then uh, yeah. they, 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 they churn. And then they churn after three months. Of course they churn. Because the same person shows up somewhere else and they'd have a reflection there as well. And so they get hired there. And so the, then they churn. So the, the process is, uh, it, it just, it's too laborious for both sides right. and hence inefficient. Well, so okay. I'll pause here, but I can answer your question on how does AI then help us. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Is this... So I can see someone saying, well, this is fine for lower end jobs, but, you know, for higher jobs, like if I'm hiring an engineer or a skilled worker, you know, do you ever get people that say, oh, I don't think it'll work for that? Or will, will this work for those kind of jobs? Or is it just for like uh, lower level jobs? Well, it works fantastically for lower level jobs for two reasons. One is a lot of the interview process is objective. So technology can almost make it human less. And second is, uh, you've got very high volume in low-level jobs, so you can afford to be more on the screening side, right? Mm. So it does work really well there. Now, let's look at the other extreme. Yep. You have to hire the CEO of General Electric. There's no way you're going to go through this process, right? You can afford to have a team of human recruiters because when they get that CEO staffed, that staffing agency is going to make 700K, mm. right? You're not going to use anything. So if you can afford to have humans behind, nothing beats it. You can use assistance, but you don't need uh, such tools so much. The question is, how many times in the labor market can you afford to have human recruiters behind? And the truth is very few. Turns out 85% of American workers fall in the first category, which is high volume recruits, hmm. hourly workers, university graduates, the 85%. And they make up for 97% of interviews that happen in the U.S. Wow. 97%. And this was a shock for me because I grew up in India. I had never had an hourly job. I looked at the Bureau of Labor Statistics. I saw, hey, what happens? I thought of recruiting just from an engineer standpoint. Turns out, it, I mean, it's such a small segment. And if you're thinking about social impact, you're really doing nothing there. Hmm. 
Okay. So, yeah, let's, I took you a little bit off course, but let's go back. So you tell me what happens at the Starbucks example. You know, people get no, into the no. portal. What happens with the AI version? Let's contrast it with your well, version. That same store manager is now sitting on autopilot because Alio, whether you're sitting in the application or you've started with Alio, Alio is picking you up, having the conversation, trying to screen you for the requirements that deem you to be interviewable. And if you're interviewable, schedules your interview, make sure that you show up for the interview or notify the uh, store manager that you may not show up. And the store manager does nothing. All the store manager knows in their mind is that, hey, every Wednesday and Friday at 2 p.m., Alio is going to start sending me candidates. They're going to show up. That's it. They don't do anything. And they, they have four or five people show up each of those days. Invariably, you have saved them a day every week from recruiting that they should have done. Invariably, you have increased the interview to hire ratio up to three or four such that you're hiring more quality people. And invariably, the candidates are getting a better experience because now as they chat and as they respond, it adaptively takes them to the next step, be it getting scheduled or be it routed to other jobs. That's cool. So tell me about the uh, the screening. What are some of the elements that you've found are useful for screening? Maybe you, it surprised you. I don't know. But what are, you know, what are some of the ways? I don't want you to give away your secret sauce, but... What are some of the things you found that are good ways to filter and screen? Yeah, I think so. So, firstly, I'm I'm I've never liked the two documents that are used for screening today. One are resumes, and second is the job requisitions. I find both to be very very uh, inadequate. Mm. I found that if you can develop a system that people trust and they can chat with, you can have what is called a disaggregated screening where you go one by one and you ask them, hey, here's something the job requires, or tell me a bit about your experience. You use natural language processing to understand, hey, do they really have customer service experience or you go deeper? And if they do, you take them to the next step or you tell them that, you know what, you can only apply for an entry-level position, not a manager position, or why don't you look for some other role? It's that, it's that disaggregated screening, which happens very effectively if somebody is engaged in a conversation that allows you to be very customized for that specific candidate and that requisition, as opposed to just taking two documents which are completely built at extremes, one mm. the job rec, which has the ideal candidate they want to hire, and the resume, which is the best of best, you know, exaggeration of what the candidate has done and trying to match that automatically. That almost never works. Can you give me an example of some of the screening questions, you know, for a given company? Sorry. I'll give you, I'll give you, so uh, um, there's a billion dollar logistics company. They want to hire a lot of salespeople, right? These are inside sales, sales reps. The sales rep applies into their ATS, whatever. They go into indeed.com, they do one click apply, data gets fed into the ATS. Alio picks it up from the ATS right then and says, hey, Rich, thanks for applying for the sales rep position at XYZ Company. We'd love to conversation, ask you a few questions, should we get started? And when you go deep, it starts asking you, hey, tell me a bit about your sales experience. And turns out in that experience, uh, you have indicated that you have four years of sales experience. Mm. Now it goes deeper. Hey, what kind of software have you used in selling? Who have you sold to? What medium? Have you gone on field sales? Have you done inside sales? Have you done telesales? Have you done sales operations? It goes deeper into that. 
And eventually it, get, it gets this intelligence that here is Rich who has eight years of experience. Turns out that the hiring manager told Alio that I only want somebody who has less than seven years of experience, two to seven years. Because for some reason, the hiring manager believes people with more than seven years don't do well. So then Alio goes back to the hiring manager and says, Mr. Hiring Manager, you wanted to fill this requisition this week, for which you wanted six interviews. I've already scheduled three. Now, you said you wanted two to seven years of experience. If you made that two to eight years, I can give you three more interviews right away. Hmm. Do you want to do that? Here are some sample profiles. And then they change it if they want to. Things that, that, that the human team would never do because it's too granular. But it turns out a software is perfectly positioned to do that. That's cool. That's really interesting. Huh. I, it sounds really sophisticated. What, what, um, where does the software work really well and where is it having difficulty? Like what industries, what kind of positions is it the best for? Well, it, it works. So technology disrupting, uh, disruption works best where most of the processes are objective. Um, this happens to be mo- most of the high volume industries. So your retail, restaurants, hospitality, logistics, these tend to be very natural fits. Now, if you go to other extremes, if you take the case of Google, a company like Google for the brand that it is gets 25,000 applicants for one job rec. There's sure. no way there's a person behind going through 25,000 applications. And so they have a different problem. Their problem is, hey, our candidate experience sucks because the only way you get a job at Google is if you know somebody in there. Mm. And so they want to make sure that can we give the candidates a good experience and in that process maybe surface a couple of exceptional people who we should additionally interview that would have gotten lost because they did not have anyone at Google. But guess what? They knew somebody at Facebook and we don't want to lose them to Facebook. Mm. And so uh, in in both extremes, you can have the software work really well, but there could be systems where you're absolutely fine not needing the software. So by definition, if you are a small business, very small business, and you at the minimum need one recruiter, and you're struggling to give that recruiter enough time, right, enough work, because you need one, and you don't have enough business, you, you need to give them some work, might as well have them do all this, because they can do it, and they're humans, they can do it well. Yeah. Or you're somebody who, as I said, an executive recruiting or something, and in that system, it would not work so well. So you need a certain amount of volume to have a proportionate amount of returns. So what's um, what's kind of the minimum minimum requirements to run your system? Is it, um, I, don't, I don't know if we should get into pricing, but uh, is it you need to fill five jobs a year? Or, uh, you know, what are some of the requirements for people to use it? Yeah, so... Um, We've got customers that range uh, end-to-end in the spectrum. Uh, We have over time learned that, you know, as a business in the recruiting space, uh, you tend to get most of the bang in value and revenue from your large enterprises. You do, because it turns out that, and, and this is typical for the recruitment market, that in every industry, there are these two or three iconic brands that every applicant applies to. In the restaurant industry, everyone applies to McDonald's. You mm. just apply to McDonald's. Right? When, if you want to be a barista, you do apply to Starbucks. You don't, you don't skip Starbucks and go to the distant second. Right? If you're in tech, you apply to Google. And right. so what we have found that when you skew more towards the large enterprise, you tend to have a bigger bang for buck 
and you tend to have more value because in end of the day, you've got AI, which has to be trained and volume helps them. Mm. So on our end, we have started to focus more on companies that have more than 500 employees, companies that have more than 10 or 20 job openings, and anything below that, we feel that one recruiter that they will anyways have is sufficient to cover, and we don't want to compete with humans. We are competing with other technology. Yeah, okay. Very interesting. Have Have you had applicants that said, hey, this is not a person, this is a machine, and abandon the process, or do... Are people fooled or they're just, they know what's going on and they're just happy to go through the process? So what's, what's the feedback from uh, applicants? It's, it's, uh, so it, I'll give you the answer first. 97% say positive experience. Now, what does that even well, mean, right? But 97% say positive experience. 30% say that they did not know. They thought it was a human. 30% say that they thought it was a human. But there's a reason behind this. The big reason is, when you're looking for a job, you're very uptight. You don't goof around looking for a job. You don't just send whatever you can type in one second. You're not texting uh, your girlfriend, right? You don't ask, <laughs> hey, what are you doing tonight? You don't do those kinds. And, and it could have a smart answer, like, hey, I'm helping applicants find jobs. But you just don't do that because you have a job, you need that job. Right. And so there's a, there's a whole bias around people behaving so well, which doesn't, it doesn't cause them to try and break the system. As a result, they mm. naturally have a better experience. It's much easier to solve for. And that's unique to recruiting. If, on the other hand, you had a chatbot that was helping you, you know, find the best plan for AT&T's internet, you would, you would really mess around with it. You don't give a damn about AT&T's. You know, if you give them money, they'll give you the internet, right? So you, you right. mess around with it. But you don't do that for your job. Huh. So this is a, it's kind of like a chatbot, but in a scenario where the person, again, is earnestly applying and they're going to have respect for the process and it, it just creates a much better interaction regardless. Unless much gaming better interaction. Now, now, also to acknowledge is if they said something that Alio cannot understand, we do have a human team behind who that interaction gets escalated to. And then they understand, hey, what is this applicant saying? Train Alio, respond, and hand it back to Alio. And mm. so for the applicant, they actually get that human assistance without knowing. And so as a result, they do feel it's like a human at times because there is a mix of human. But that human is training the system such that next time if anybody asks something similar, Alio can answer smartly. Huh. Do you have um, a sandbox environment for like a fake company where people can try this out and go through it? just to see how it is? We absolutely do. In fact, we have one for Starbucks. And it's uh, typically, like what we say is, if you text 404-205-8587, 404-205-8587, you can literally experience how one should apply for a job at Starbucks. And then what I request is also try and go and apply online, which is the real experience today. So it's 404-205-8087? 8587. sorry. 404-205-8587. Yeah, I'm going to try it. At one point, I did want to work for Starbucks, but not anymore. So, very yeah, cool. You never know the experience. The experience might make, make you change your mind. <laughs> well, <laughs> very interesting. Um, other insights you've gotten as you've gone through this process, maybe that really surprised you or shocked you or that you think or, I don't know, just made you feel good about 
this whole process? You said it's overwhelmingly positive, which is great. You know, what about on the company side? Do the do the companies tell you like, wow, this is amazing, and we're saving so much time, or we're getting better candidates, or what kind of feedback are you getting? Well, but there, there's a mix of um, all kinds, uh, but you know, at large, the feedback has been uh, candidate experience has improved. We are returning one to two days per week uh, to the human uh, team. Uh, we are increasing the speed of hiring, reducing the time to hire by like 80 odd percent. You know, believe it or not, if 100 people start chatting with Alio, 94 of them complete the conversation. 94. It's wow. just ridiculous. And it has no, one of the things that really surprised me is that the completion rate is exactly the same for the younger and the older population. The speed is different. So the younger generation is much faster. Mm. But the adoption and the engagement or completion is exactly the same for the younger and the older population. And that is pretty interesting for me. I initially thought it would be more towards the millennials, but turns out it works for both. Is this available in other languages besides English? Yeah, so uh, 75 languages. Um, wow, and so really? Typically, and, and the way it, it actually works really beautifully, and this is kudos to the engineering team, where, you know, say you're talking with somebody who is, who is proficient in 75 languages. The way it works is if you suddenly responded to a question in English, but you responded in French, then it starts talking with you in French. But then if you suddenly change to Arabic, then it starts talking with you in Arabic. Really? Then you change to Spanish and it changes back. So it just adapts instantly to make it happen. And, you know, frankly speaking, um, uh, you'll be surprised, at least when I when we deal with the restaurant industry uh, and the retail industry, the number of Spanish, native Spanish-speaking people is so, like, it's, it's so high. Like, we've got this large restaurant chain uh, who has, I believe, 51% of their kitchen staff. This is a large publicly traded restaurant chain. 51% of the kitchen uh, staff basically only want to apply in Spanish. Mm. Only want to apply in Spanish. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Very, very, very interesting. That's cool. I'm going to have to, uh, after the interview, I'm going to apply to Starbucks and see what it's like. I want to see this process. Very interesting. Um, so what's what's ahead for you for the next year? What changes or add-ons or things are you going to be doing to the system? Well, there are there there are lots of add-ons on the product side. As you would imagine, the startup journey has its own amazingness to it, and so that's always interesting. And you know, for companies like ours that grow like fifteen twenty percent month on month, uh, you see the evolution happen in fast forward. You literally see it happen in fast forward, and priorities change and whatnot. But on the product side, lots of great things happening. Two that I'm very excited about. About one is uh, we've uh, launched a employee hotline where, say, your employees within the entire organization could at any time contact Alio and ask any question. Hey, I want to change my address. How many uh, holidays of my PTO have I used up? Hey, what's the what's the you know what's the ethics policy around this? Hey, I'm I'm feeling bullied at work. Can you help me out? Really? Just a hotline. Yeah, that kind of stuff. And it gets escalated. It either does the administrative work or it sometimes escalates it to HR leadership so that they can make it tactical. So that's one. And second is uh, just intelligence. Uh, I'll go back to where I started. I'm very passionate about making the chief human resources officer 
uh, strategically enabled in the organization. I'm very passionate. I think there's a lot of uncaptured value there. And the ability to provide intelligence that helps them feed into the operations of the business is something that we are working on quite actively right now. An example of that is you've got 100 job recs. Can you guide the HR organization on which of those job recs have a healthy talent pipeline and where you probably need to advertise more? Or where can you shut down advertising? And how does this change your workforce outlook and hence your ability to hit sales numbers across the different BUs? Very interesting. Wow. So it's outsourcing, well, not outsourcing, but it's AI enabling uh, a good portion of the, the HR and freeing them up to have, like you said, you create more efficiencies and run the organization better. Really interesting. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. My, my conversation yesterday afternoon in Dallas uh, with a CHR of a $4 billion company. Now, we didn't, we haven't worked with him, but he told me he used AI to do this prediction on workforce uh, staffing and the impact on revenue. And the accuracy was 94%. They were 90. The, the, the finance team did the same project and the accuracy was 71%. The HR team's accuracy, because of more data, they could predict with 94% accuracy where they will hit the revenue numbers and where they won't. Huh. I wonder if uh, at some point you'd, you'd um, have the system gather data on current employees to gauge how well they're doing and look for people that are, uh, you know, faltering in their work or, you know, are going to quit or, you know, candidates to keep, candidates not to keep. I wonder if that's uh, going to be a manifestation in the future. I think it will. In fact, I would tell you lots of companies are looking at it, looking at, you know, which what's the ideal employee profile, uh, which employees are at risk and stuff. There's a lot of cool work happening there. I think it will naturally fall on our bucket. Uh, I don't know if we'll be the best at it at that point because there are others who come to the party sooner. Mm. But it's it from a value. You're, you're exactly right. End of the day, it's not recruiting; it's retention of good quality talent. That's what matters. Recruiting comes because you haven't retained them, or you're just mm. growing like crazy. And so the ability to help with that using a predict, predictive analytics is, is. I mean, I know for my company, it would be super helpful. Well, I've heard that um, it's not that there aren't enough jobs. It's actually a lot of jobs have gone begging because there's not enough quality candidates. And it's such a huge effort to find them and retain them that that's actually the, the, what the job landscape is today. I don't know if you agree with that or if that's what you see. I think the numbers reveal that, that it's the first time in this uh, millennium where the number of jobs available are more than the number of candidates available. Um, and, you know, you could argue it's essentially a skill gap where these people not do not necessarily match up with the jobs that are available. Um, and frankly speaking, it, it makes it uh, the job seekers market. It's totally the job seekers market right now. And as a result, it's become even more imperative to solve for job seekers, not just solve for your internal efficiency. You need to solve for job seekers. Yeah. Any, um any downsides or fear that the you know the AI will miscategorize someone and um, you know tell them hey you're only suitable to like be a dishwasher instead of being a manager and get you know like exclude candidates that normally would come through or or is the system so broken that the AI AI is a radical improvement regardless even with uh, maybe a few faults? No, I think I think the 
the curse of automation always is the lack of visibility. And you're exactly right. The thing we have tried to do to solve for it, and you're concerned absolutely fair, the thing we've tried to avoid is AI making judgment calls. You cannot have AI start making judgment calls. So when you want, if you have trained the system to run or to do X, you can let it do X. It can come back and say that, hey, if you did Y, you will hit your objective better, but it does not make the decision. It doesn't move to Y without human intervention and human approval. And if Mm -hmm. you allow for that, then you will... uh, And it needs to be multi-stakeholder because you will always find those hiring managers who have some biases, be them usually subconscious biases, and you don't want the AI system just like your child to learn bad habits from the parents. You don't want that. You want some kind of higher authority that looks at it and says, do it or don't do it. And so there is a whole workflow process there where the training of the AI cannot be fully automated. You need to have human approval so that it it, it uh, follows proper conduct. Any um, any problems about discrimination in hiring? You know, how do you make sure that the AI is set up in the right way where it's not, uh, you know, algorithmically discriminating against people or causing liability for the company in the hiring process? It's, it's usually the opposite, um, I feel. I think Humans have a natural bias towards discrimination. They absolutely do. Uh, we all have mental models. You have one. I have one from my childhood, from my experience. And as I talk with you or you talk with me, we try to fit each other in some mental model. It just happens. That's mm-hmm. how we are. Uh, the AI system has none of that. And so you're basically in a conscious environment, nothing subconscious, like I spoke about, in a conscious environment, telling the AI system to do this. And you're consciously setting the principles of learning, right? So you're, you're basically saying, what are you going to get educated on and what impact is that going to have? And so you, because you're doing everything consciously, you keep out all the biases. Otherwise, it's pretty apparent. Humans, on the other hand, are so much trained in their, in their subconscious mind that they sometimes don't even realize that kind of a bias. They absolutely don't. So I look at AI as an opportunity to actually clean up some of that or even catch any of those biases uh, that don't exist. I'll give you an example. Uh, We are working with uh, a large chain. Uh, We had certain, so Alio will reach out after the interview and collect feedback. Hey, how did the interview go? Blah, blah, blah. And we very quickly realized that there was this one store manager that would, you know, uh, not show up for the interview. Yeah. absolutely not show up. And the interview to hire ratio was like 24. 24 interviews had to be scheduled for them to uh, hire one person. And this got escalated because they were off the chart. And then the HR leadership looked into it. And there was some bias here where they would not show up for certain profiles. And uh, the HR leadership had to take action. But it only okay. came through when you could collect that data uh, in a in a unbiased way. Very cool. Well, so, hey, I love the concept. It's really interesting, and uh, I enjoy talking to you. It's, I think this is a great thing that's going to help a lot of companies and a lot of people. So what's the best way for uh, people to get in touch, to find out more, you know, to, to interact with you and the company in the process? Well, there's our website, of course, which is alio.com. Uh, you can contact, contact uh, anyone in the team. 
Uh, it's the first name at Alia.com or you can email hello at Alia.com. I would highly re- request people to uh, have no hesitation in contacting us. What we are doing is so cool. And, you know, it's it's one of those products that's experiential. I don't need a slide deck. I don't need a WebEx. I can give you a number and you can text it. And end of the day, there's a very clean social impact. So anyone and everyone who's interested would love to have a conversation with you. Okay. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast, Sahil. As uh, I said, it was a great experience. I really appreciate talking to you. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.